Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to Stress, the podcast to develop your workplace superpower. I'm really, really excited about my this week's podcast interview guest, and it's Dr. John Demartini. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. Yes, it's my pleasure. John, where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? I'm in Hatoko, uh, Mexico, on the coast of Mexico, on the Pacific. On my ship, uh, I sailed in here uh, yesterday, and I leave tonight. And um, it's about, I guess, 3.30 in the afternoon here. And I been doing this morning i've been doing podcast meetings uh writing and interviews mainly all morning okay and, and also a webinar wow that's a that's a busy busy morning and uh, what have you been writing um i'm just finishing up an article that's uh on the significance of appreciation and love and how it affects our life so i'm just putting that out And it's just, a, it's a, about a four page article. So I'm working on that today. And I'm, I'm, I'm always writing. I'm, I'm constantly editing and researching and writing all the time. So that's lots of different fields and areas. Okay. And what was the webinar on? The webinar today was on transcending the illusion of criticism and how important criticism and praise. We, some people are addicted to praise and therefore fear criticism. And I was trying to show them the upsides of being critical, what we're doing to generate it, how we create it, and how it serves us. So we're not button pushed by it when people are that way. And we understand the purpose of it and how to help ourselves become more effective communicators. Amazing. So wow. Such an interesting topic. I think a lot of people that are listening can relate to that because I think as peak performers, that's how I like to call my clients. Um, we... Uh, really like praise and the external validation and appreciation and we fear positive negative feedback and criticism so any well, quick it, pointers as long as <laughs> yeah as long as we're infatuated with praise we're going to resent criticism there's mm -hmm. downside to praise and there's upside to criticism you need to see both of them mm -hmm. because um, when somebody support praises us and supports us we can become dependent on that mm -hmm. and when somebody criticizes we become more independent so independence has a value too. So mm -hmm. I've, I've outlined a whole pile of benefits that come from criticism. So you're not wounded by it. People have this mm -hmm. fantasy that everybody's supposed to be nice to you all the time, but that's delusional. You know, if you're married for a long period of time, you're going to find out that your spouse both praises and reprimands you, supports mm -hmm. and challenges you as nice and mean and kind and cruel and both mm -hmm. sides of life. And so are you at times. So to live mm -hmm. in a fantasy of a one-sided world is setting yourself up for depression because mm -hmm. I would say depression is a comparison of your current reality to a fantasy you get addicted to. So I try to show them the downsides of the praise because sometimes you can feel obligated and now you feel that you owe people things and 
now you're living for their validation and now you're letting other people's opinions about you run who you are. And there's all kinds of downsides to praise and there's all kinds of benefits to criticism. You get back to being who you are sometimes and really self-assess and self-reflect. You look at what you're doing that's challenging them. You're looking at what you're doing to be that you're addicted to the opposite. You look about whether you're living really truthful to yourself. There's lots of benefits to both sides. I always say, find both sides and don't let the world on the outside run your life. Mm-hmm. I think, or well, I think this is like so true, right? Um, there's a really wonderful book by Jeff Foster called, um, I'm blanking right now. Um, what is it called? Um, the Deepest Acceptance. <laughs> and he talks about waves and he talks about how in life we always have both sides and it's resonated really deeply with me. And I think it's exactly what you are describing as well, right? That if we have one side of the thing, in life we can also always experience the other thing and this it is already there as we are experiencing one thing and i think it's really really powerful to look at it that way do you i i know i haven't asked you that before as any preparation but i'm just kind of curious because we're talking about it do you know any relation or connection of burnout or depression with looking constantly for this validation and like do you think that that actually yeah. burns us out and depresses us Yeah, because you're you're expecting the Buddha says the desire for that which is unavailable and the desire to avoid that which is unavoidable is a source of human suffering. Mm-hmm. So depression is is you're having a fantasy about how life's supposed to be, and when it doesn't match that, now you're angry. And that's mm-hmm. silly. I always mm-hmm. say, whatever's happening, whether supportive or challenging, how's it helping you fulfill what's meaningful to you? Mm-hmm. Much more resourceful. Yeah. Otherwise, you're letting the world on the outside dictate how you feel and experience. And then you're dealing with a causal world instead of a mm-hmm. transcending it with an a causal awareness. It has nothing to do with what goes on out there that matters. It's your perception, decision, and action. You have control over that. You don't mm-hmm. have control of what people do, but you have control of your perception to what they do. Mm-hmm. And if you can turn their criticisms into opportunities and you can turn their praises and calm it down, you won't be addicted to praise, which makes you so frightened of the criticism. Mm-hmm. It's the assumption that there's a benefit to the praise. It's making you fear the criticism. But mm-hmm. anybody that's really empowered and really living by what's meaningful to them pursues challenge by experts. They look for criticism. Almost every gold medalist I've worked with, any great celebrity, are asking for feedback on how to get more refined and powerful in their skill. And the people, they're not trying to avoid it, but seeking it out from experts to critique it are the people that go the farthest. So criticism is not a terrible thing. It's a very vital, essential part of life. And you, you want to be able to use it resourcefully and wisely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. John, we have kind of skipped that part, but I do not want to miss it. Um, can you give us a quick introduction of who you are and what you've been up to over these years? <laughs> well, I'm an educator. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been teaching 49 plus years. I broke the 49-year mark last month, so going on the 50th year, 49 years. And anything to do with maximizing human awareness and potential, anything that's involving the development of human consciousness, anything that allows people to live more extraordinary, inspired, and magnificent lives, I have been studying for 49 years. And I travel full-time around the world doing that. I do it every dingle day, seven days a week pretty well. And I used to fly a lot more, but uh, since COVID, I'm doing more sailing now. And um, I live on a ship that goes around the world and I just do Zooms wherever I go. 
unless mm-hmm. I happen to come into a port where there's people ready. Mm-hmm. And I write, research, write, travel, and teach. That's it. I delegate everything else. I don't do anything else. I don't mm-hmm. cook. I don't do administrative. I don't do marketing. I don't do anything but teach, research, write, and travel. Mm-hmm. Everything else has been off my plate. Yeah. I haven't driven a car in 32 yeah. years. I haven't cooked wow. since I was 24. I learned that anytime you're doing anything other than what inspires you, you're devaluing yourself and devaluing life and not appreciating life. So I delegate to specialists who love doing what I would like to delegate. So they do a greater job than I would be doing. And I don't weigh myself down with things that depreciate me. And that lifts me up to do what inspires me, which is right now, right? What we're doing here. This Mm -hmm. is what I love doing. Yeah. That's so wonderful. When was the last time you had an in-person event now since the pandemic happened? Last uh, internal event was in Tokyo, Japan, um, March 16th of 2020. Okay. Then on the, that night I did some filming. We, we were filming a movie that week and also doing that program. And um, then I flew into Los Angeles on the next day, the 17th. And from that day on it, we went into lockdown on the 18th and I went all my live seminars around the world in many countries, just, we went on zoom and we turned uh, Corona into St. Corona and turned it into the biggest opportunity. And I'm very grateful. I mean, Corona has been a great blessing. I, you know, it, we, some people say, well, it's terrible. I go, okay. If you choose to see it that way, I, it, it depends on how you want to look at it. You can make a mountain out of a molehill or a mole out of a mountain. You make it a heaven out of a hell or a hell out of a heaven. It's up to you. What do you want to make out of it? If you ask a certain set of questions and ask what's the upsides to it, you can turn it into something to be grateful for. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. It's there. The information's there. It's not missing. It's just you're choosing not to see it or look for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I, I think Corona was a great opportunity for my business too. I feel like now I can be in a lot of different places at the same time and while being at home, which I love so much and like it's been wonderful i actually had a conversation with my sister a few days before lockdown and she was challenging me saying that you know you've like first year in business 2019 you didn't really like the whole traveling thing what are you going to do in 2020 and i said you know i don't really know what i'm going to do and then the pandemic hit <laughs> everything was in lockdown i was able well, to you're unco- your unconscious your unconscious motive created a pandemic to help make sure you didn't have to travel. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I'm responsible. I'm, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, you're the no, I know. I know you are. Forget the woo hand stuff. And now it's, it's, it's uh, we finally found out the cause. That's it. But I'm yeah, participating too, because I, I want to be able to spend more time on my ship and, and mm-hmm. I got to do that. And I was traveling most of the time too, but I love traveling too. So I don't, Whether COVID is there and or or not, I'm gonna I'm gonna win that because it's just mm-hmm. a perception. <laughs> yeah, um, I love that you were talking about gratitude because that's kind of the main topic that I'd like to focus on with you today. I'd love to talk with you about gratitude. I I've been uh, practicing gratitude for about I would say three and a half years now. Um, consecutively, every day I sit down and practice gratitude when I'm experiencing difficult tough times I try to do it even more than once during the day you've been practicing gratitude for 37 years um, how did you start and how did that change your life well actually longer it's it's been about 39 um, okay 
because prior to that, I was writing it down. But in 1982, the IBM Selectric came out. We started to put it on a on a little typing format. In 1982, also the Tandy computer came out, Dot Matrix. And from that point on, it's been on a computer. So that made it a lot easier to formalize it compared to carrying around pieces of paper. So I've been doing gratitude even longer than that. I mean, I was doing it. I was born on Thanksgiving day. Uh And my mom, when I was four, told me to count my blessings for those that are grateful for what they get. They get more to be grateful for. So I've kind of been doing it much of my life, Mm -hmm. but I formally formalized it into a structured system the second the computers came along. And I have 30 volumes of 10 point print, one inch margin gratitudes that I type every day, like clockwork. Um, And there's 900 pages to some of those volumes. So we're talking about thousands and thousands of pages of gratitude. That's amazing. And so tell us a little bit more about the science of gratitude and how that connects to productivity, success, and happiness. Well, let's each of us have an authentic self and we also have a puffed up and a deflated self and infatuated. You know, we can be proud and cocky and inflated or we could be shamed and humble and deflated. And those are oscillating personas that we wear outside our real authentic self, the core. Hmm. When we puff ourselves up, we tend to look down on other people. And when we minimize ourselves, we tend to look up at people. And when we're altruistic, minimizing ourselves, looking up to people, we tend to sacrifice for other people, which is non-sustainable. One leads to boredom. The other one leads to burnout. So those symptoms are a result of personas, not authentic states of mind. But when we bring those back into balance and have reflective awareness and see that the people around us, what we see in them is inside us and don't put them on pedestals or pits, but put them in our heart. We create equanimity within us, which is authenticity and equity between self and other other people. And now we have respectful telecommunication, respectful communication and transactions that make people want to continue to do business with us or in a relationship with us. We have less noise in the brain and we have gratitude for the opportunity to do work with other people and to live in our own life. So gratitude is a confirmation and a response to authenticity. Mm -hmm. And every time you're really, truly grateful, and I don't mean superficial gratitude, thank you for that gift. I mean, grateful for the hidden order in the apparent chaos. When you're truly, deeply, profoundly grateful, and you have an authentic state of mind and your heart is open and appreciating life and you don't have a desire to change you to relative to others or others relative to you. There's nothing needing fixing. There's no mistakes. You're grateful. Mm-hmm. In that state, the noise in the brain is calmed. The business transactions are even and sustainable and promotive. Your willingness and self-worth is maximized and you feel worthy of receiving. Relationships are more stable because people want to be loved and appreciated for who they are. Leadership, people would follow a leader who's willing to appreciate them for their contribution and they're being considered in the, in the direction of the leadership. Your physiology normalizes. And what is spirituality but grace and love, really? I mean, all areas of life are empowered by gratitude. And so, yeah, your, your, your spiritual pursuit 
and your material manifestations in a state of gratitude are maximized. So gratitude is a confirmation of authenticity and a confirmation that you're living wisely when you're actually seeing the hidden order and the, the so-called apparent chaos. The apparent chaos is all the judgment you have. And judgment is nothing more than missing information. Because if you're infatuated with somebody, you're missing the downsides. And if you're resentful, you're missing the upsides. When you love somebody, you don't miss anything. You see that at the level of the soul, nothing's missing. But the level of the senses where you judge, things appear to be missing. And we get caught in our phenomenological sensory world of judgment sometimes, strive, instead of actually live life. And life is magnificent when you actually see the hidden order in it. Yeah. Yes. So I think this is so, so powerful because, you know, people that are listening to this podcast usually experience a lot of stress. And when you're experiencing stress, you are either right in that boredom state or like depressed state or in that heightened state of, you know, like a lot of adrenaline and cortisol going for your body. And, um, and I think we are reacting exactly in that way, right? As well, we are like aggressive, protective, or we are sad and depressed, right? Um, and so can it help for people to practice gratitude to get back to that state of homeostasis? Well, if you bring yourself back to homeostasis, you automatically become grateful. It's, it, they work at the same time. Mm -hmm. They Because anytime we have self-governance in our perceptions and don't wait for the world to govern us uh, and have equanimity in mind, the blood glucose and oxygen goes into the forebrain and the executive center comes along and the executive center is another name for the gratitude center. They're one and the same. Some mm -hmm. scientists call the executive center the gratitude center because you see the order and you're able to have objectivity and not subjective biased interpretations of your reality. And you're actually appreciating life as it is instead of keeping imposing this idea how it should be. Mm. And people are not going to be grateful if they keep comparing their current reality to fantasies about how it should be. And people get mm. addicted to these fantasies and they make their lives a nightmare instead of appreciating life. So, yeah, I, I think that it's your physiology will confirm your, 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 gratitude state mm -hmm. so i i basically say the quality of your life is based on the quality of the questions you ask if you ask questions that bring homeostasis and equilibrium to your perceptions your heart will open and you'll feel grateful for life mm -hmm. yeah and that's what you're talking about as well right that gratitude actually creates healing and i want to talk a little bit about that because i think just like saying it just as we're talking about it now people might be like how does that create healing? But I mean, already through all of the things that you've explained, it becomes really clear that obviously when our mind is in balance and our physiology is in balance, it also means that all of our main bodily functions are going back to normal functionality, right? Which that is already really important when we are going through the healing yep. process. Exactly. When we infatuate with somebody, we activate the parasympathetic nervous system. The parasympathetic nervous system alkalinizes, mm -hmm. anabolizes, brings alkalinity, and, uh, you know, brings a reductionism instead of a oxidation. When it mm -hmm. does, it also creates acetylation in epigenetics, which affects cells expression and gene expressions. And we create symptoms. And if something challenges us and we get the fight or flight response instead of the rest and digest response, our sympathetic comes online. We now acidify. We now oxidize. We now go into catabolism and breakdown. And that one right there creates a now methylation, which blocks the histones and DNA and stops transcriptions, stops mitosis, creates apoptosis, cell death and everything else, and creates symptoms in our body. 
And these symptoms in our body are, if they're interpreted properly, they're letting you know that you're not seeing both sides of life. It's trying to help you. When most people say, I want to get rid of my symptoms. No, your symptoms are your friends. Your symptoms are trying to reveal to you what you're doing in your psychology that's not seeing the whole. You're seeing parts. You know, if a person goes and overeats and just pigs out, and the next day they wake up with a headache and sinus congestion and a belly ache and gas and diarrhea and all kinds of symptoms and go to the allopathic physician. They say, well, here's my symptoms. Oh, take these drugs, antacid, anti-flatulent, anti-this, anti-poop. Mm-hmm. And you go and take all these medicines and then you don't get the lesson. And then that's a foolish, that entire model is so ridiculous. It's a ridiculous model. It's not giving anybody accountability for their own reality and what they're creating. But if all of a sudden you went to somebody and maybe a naturopath or chiropractor and said, well, I started these symptoms last night. And what did you do right before it? Well, I pigged out. Okay. Well, your body is creating symptoms to try to let you know that's not how to live your life and how to eat, buddy. Wake up. Mm-hmm. Your body is doing a favor mm-hmm. and getting rid of the symptoms and keep eating like that is a foolish thing. Your body's going to keep giving you symptoms to wake you up. Your symptoms are your friends. If you know how to interpret them and all of the epigenetically induced symptoms are guideposts and feedback mechanisms to try to get you into homeostasis. Everything in your body is layered with homeostatic feedback loops to try to maximize your potential and to get you authentic, but it's misinterpreted. And we've, we've given labels. It's like, it's like they, they give people a label depression, but I've worked with thousands of cases of that. And, and it, they, I guarantee you they've got unrealistic expectations sitting in there. And as long as they got fantasy expectations, life's going to suck. It's going to feel awful because you keep comparing life to a fantasy Mm. and people don't realize that if you try to expect somebody to be one-sided or expect yourself to be one-sided or expect others to live in your values or somebody else you to live in other people's values you're going to be depressed because that's not going to happen so your symptoms are feedback mechanisms guiding to an authentic very inspired powerful life and when you get them and the awareness the aha goes on comes gratitude and gratitude is a confirmation that you're interpreting your reality now in a balanced way and you're now being authentic. So it's, your, it's a gift. Gratitude is a very powerful gift. Yes. Yeah. That's, I, I love how you think about all of these different things. I totally agree with you. So you wake up in the morning and then is gratitude the first thing that you do? Well, how, how do you, where do you find time to practice gratitude? Well, it's not exactly the first thing I do. What I do is I, I have these little statements I run through my head that I've been doing for a long time. <laughs> and and then I just think about what I am grateful for. And because I went to bed with that, it's easy because it's fresh. And I make sure I don't, unless I'm rushed for something, you know, sometimes there's rushing situations. I'm down to the last second. What I usually do is I stay in bed and I go through what those are until I get a tear of gratitude. I found when I get a tear of gratitude, I'm really thankful. And I have a tear of confirmation. Amazing difference in the day. So I just make that a ritual. It doesn't take, but sometimes at two minutes, it may take 10 minutes, but I kind of make that as a daily ritual, unless I'm really in an urgent situation where I've had very little sleep and I'm up, go, boom, down, you know, then I'm just, mm-hmm. I just push it on. But most of the time that's the case. And I'm very grateful that I have that way of doing it because it, it starts the day that way. 
Yeah, that's really powerful. And these statements are like positive affirmations, I assume, or what? What kind of statements? No, are I'm not into positive affirmations. I'm into affirmations, but not positive. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. You know, peppy, peppy little positive affirmations are foolish, in my opinion. I'd rather state it this way: instead of saying "I'm always happy, I'm never sad," which is delusional, I'd rather say, "Whether I am supported or challenged, I'm grateful, for I know that both of them are feedback mechanisms to my authenticity." So what I do is I create a checkup from the neck up and a statement uh, reminding me, kind of like a pilot doing a checklist before it takes off to make sure that I'm perceiving, deciding, and acting in the wisest way possible for the day. So mm -hmm. I use those statements, not one-sided statements. You know, mm -hmm. no matter what happens, I'm always happy. That, that's craziness because that's not going to happen. Your own BS meter is going to go off and say, boo, 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 boo. So mm -hmm. I'd rather go in there and balance it out and put in a realistic and objective statement that's based on what I really value, that my life demonstrates is true, that is meaningful, and put a checkup from the neck up from that perspective. And that the word affirmation means a condition of firmness in one's mind. It can't be firm when you're polarizing a statement. It's only firm when you neutralize a statement. And so when people have not practiced gratitude or don't have a journal like a journaling practice or gratitude practice, how do you usually tell people to start? Well, if they're not asking, I don't try to do it, you know, <laughs> to those who, who to, to those who know, no, what's the saying? To, to those who believe no proof is necessary, to those who don't, no proof is possible. Don't waste words on those that seek not. If they're not asking for it, I don't say anything. Mm -hmm. you don't ever give advice to somebody that you haven't established a need for, or you're just going to have people that aren't listening. First, I have to find out if they're interested in that information. If they do, they usually ask me. Then I'll be glad to share. But I don't just share something unless somebody wants it, unless they're asking for it, preferably, because it mm -hmm. doesn't. It's not going to register if you, even if you do. But mm -hmm. I, I'm a firm believer that that if you take the time to see life for those eyes, you'll be grateful that you did. Mm -hmm. And so and when I'm asking you now, help, I'll be glad to help. <laughs> me. Yeah. And, and I said, and if, if I'm asking you now, how would you tell, how would you tell my listeners to start practicing gratitude? What would you tell uh, them? Yeah. Stop, close your eyes and ask this question. What are you grateful for right now? And don't say, I don't know. I can't find it. I can't think of it. I don't know. Life sucks. I, I can't think of anything. Just stop. And, and everything has two sides. So if you're seeing something terrible, there's a terrific hidden in it. It's like a yin and yang symbol. If you take the time, you will find it. If you go, well, I don't know, and gave up, then you're holding on to an externally perceived subjectively biased reality instead of stopping and look, realizing how what's the upside to it. And I also do the opposite. I'm not a positive thinker. I take things that I'm all infatuated with. Because if I don't find the downsides, the thing I'm infatuated with, I'll be misled into some fantasy. So I'm a firm believer in taking on and balancing both sides of the equation. Because mm -hmm. when you're infatuated, you're blind to the downsides. When you're resentful, you're blind to the upsides. Why be blind at all? Why not see both sides? Why, why wait for the wisdom of the ages with the aging process when you can have the wisdom of the ages without it? Because I guarantee you, the thing you infatuate with now, the new house, so my dream house. Six months later, a year later, two years later, you're going to go, I got to clean the thing. It's now got cracks in it. I got to maintain it. It's got the security systems. I got to mow, mow it. I've got bugs. You know, got to clean the place. And 
you go, oh my God, I didn't see all those challenges that come with it. And that terrible event you thought that was terrible, you now are looking back and wow, if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been moved to do this. And thank, I'm now thankful for that occurring. Why, why wait to know that there's going to be two sides to it? There is no event that's one-sided. There's just two sides that you just can look from, see both. I would say the truth is it's neither positive nor negative. The illusion is it's either positive or negative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You are saying that stress promotes emotional well-being, mental health, and greater performance. How can we achieve it? Stress. Use stress. Use stress. Use stress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Distress is when you're looking for a positive and smacked by the negative, and you don't mm -hmm. want the negative, and you're trying to avoid the thing that's unavoidable and try to seek the thing that's unavailable. Use, use stress is when you embrace the two sides of life and pursue challenges that inspire you. The most powerful people I know, the most wealthy, the most influential, the most leader, the most business savvy, most inspired individuals I know are not trying to avoid challenges. They're looking for challenges that inspire them that they want to solve that contribute to the world. They're looking for problems to solve. They're not trying to avoid them. And that's you stress. When you're pursuing challenges that inspire you, you have you stress. When you're trying to avoid challenges you don't want, you get distress. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if and you don't fill your day with yes. challenges that inspire you, it's going to fill up with challenges that don't. Mm -hmm. And that's de-stress. And that's stress that that's eventually will... Yeah, exactly. That's will the one that causes cytokine changes and an imbalance between the pro and anti-inflammatory hormones. And that's the one that causes all the reactions. A lot of people from COVID that are getting morbidities are a result of this, those levels of distress, not eustress. Mm -hmm. If you sit down and go, okay, I got COVID, what are the upsides to it? Your response to it is going to be totally different than I'm going to, I could die. What's going to happen to me? Man, you're going to go into hypersympathetic response there. Yeah. How did you get started with all of this? How did you get into uh, learning and, you know, personal development and growth? What happened It's, to you? It, it, it really kind of started formally at age 17. Prior to that, I was a street kid. <clears throat> I left home when I was 13. I was a street kid from 14, really 13 to 18, almost 18. And yeah, I just thought my adventures in my life is, it was, is part of it, I think. I started to just pay close attention to life as living on the streets. Mm -hmm. And then at 17, I met an amazing teacher that inspired me who uh, one night's talk made me believe that maybe I could overcome my learning problems and learn how to read and learn how to speak properly because I had speaking, speak, speaking and learning problems as a child. I didn't read till I was 18. And that inspired me one night and I started to work on it, trying to solve that. And I believed that I could after listening to that guy speak and my life changed. That's why I know one man can change a life. One individual changed my life big time. I was doing a TV show quite a number of years back, probably 14 years ago, 15 and uh, maybe longer. And on the TV show, I'm behind this kind of curtain thing And there's a host and there's, you know, kind of like a uh, Johnny Carson show, the, the way they used to be on Johnny Carson or what these, these guys, Jay Leno's show, where they, you know, and I come out behind this curtain and there's applause and there's an audience and stuff. And I, and I sit there and this guy comes in and his first question is, so Dr. Martini, I see you have a new book out, how to have an amazing life in just 60 days. And I go, yes. He says, You don't really believe that, do you? And I said, 
And I just stopped and I thought, okay, he's trying to be the skeptic for the sake of the audience because some people may think that he's, he's doing that and he's doing his job. And my response was, I looked him straight there, right there, right in the, right in the forehead. And I said, it would be impossible to convince me you can't change your life in 60 days. Because one night in one hour with one man, my life changed in 60 minutes. And I started to tell him the story. When I did, I got teary-eyed and he got teary-eyed. And at the end, he was promoting the book. Because some people, you know, don't believe in possibilities. You know, they're, they're so accustomed to pursuing something that's not meaningful, pursue fantasies and bang their head against the walls and live under distress. And they haven't learned how to master their life yet. And they don't believe it's possible because they haven't found it. So if they haven't found it, it must not be possible. But if a person really starts to apply the principles that stood the test of time on how to master your life, your life can be transformed. And it doesn't take, but sometimes seconds to minutes to get that realization shift. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm believer you can transform your life. Mm -hmm. Are you still in touch with that person that changed your life? He passed away a few years later. I never got to meet him again, but I was speaking in Waikiki at the Hyatt, right? Literally at Waikiki, Hyatt Regency there. And I was doing my signature program called the Breakthrough Experience, which I've done 1,138 times. And in the back of the room towards the end, well, towards the afternoon on Sunday, it was a weekend program, a four foot seven pink jacketed woman with a hat on came in and I thought I recognized her and then when I gave a break she walked up the aisle came up to me and put her hands out together and grabbed my hands and held them and she looked up to me a little four foot seven lightning and she said you inspired me and I said thank you and she said you remind me of my father And it was the daughter of the man that changed my life. Wow. That's really beautiful. And my daughter, my daughter, the next time I was in Hawaii, my daughter went with me and we met up. And then that lady took over her father's role and carried it on. His name was Paul Bragg. Hers was Patricia Bragg. And the Bragg's amino acids and the Bragg's health, health foods and all that stuff came from them. And that's the man that impacted me. And she contacted my daughter and inspired her, even though she was considering it, she encouraged her to carry on my work. And that's what my daughter does today. So here was somebody now 50 years ago, touching my life almost 49 plus years ago, now carrying the torch we're going forward. So when I'm someday his age, 80s, you know, 10, 15 years from now, whatever it is, 13, 14, 15 years now, I will um, try to find a 17-year-old just like he found, because I was 17 at the time, and try to pass the torch and inspire somebody to carry on the torch. Now go. Mm -hmm. What did he say that changed you? He said that, that we have a body, we have a mind, and we have a soul. The body must be directed by the mind. Mind must be directed by the soul. The soul is our most authentic self. It's our essential self. It's the state of unconditional love when we're not exaggerating or minimizing ourselves. 
it's not some esoteric entity. It's just your authenticity. And that authenticity, when it guides you, you do more extraordinary things because you're now being on your path. It's true. Mm-hmm. He said that it's also wise to set goals for yourself, your family, your community, your city, your state, state your nation, and your world for 100 to 120 years. Because if you don't live by design, you're going to live by everybody else's. And no one's getting up in the morning and dedicating their life to your fulfillment if you're not. So take command and decide how you want your life to look. And I did that day. And then he said, what you think about, what you visualize, what you affirm, what you feel, what actions you take will determine your outcome. So take command of what you want to see. Take command of what you want to say. Take command of what you want to feel. Because all of those are under your command. The world on the outside is not what runs you. It's your perception of that world. Take command of that perception. Mm -hmm. And ask how specific is whatever's happening, helping me fulfill what's most meaningful to me, my design. Live by design, not by duty. Live with a voice and a vision on the inside is louder than all the opinions on the outside. Then you master your life. So he talked, you know, some very simple but yet profound principles about how to master your life. Mm-hmm. And that was exactly what I needed to hear that day. Hmm. And then you were like, okay, right I'm going to try and like start to like learn and I'm going to start to practice well, reading. I, I, he, took us, he took us on a guided imagery meditation. And in okay. there, I saw a vision of me speaking in front of a million people mm-hmm. and being able to speak properly and you know, was learned. And then I had the opportunity to study with him for three weeks every single morning. And then I pick up more gems from him. And I started on my journey after that. I never saw him again after that. Mm-hmm. But that one man definitely impacted my life. Mm-hmm. That's really beautiful. Do you have also a book that impacted your life? Oh, many. There's 30,600 books in here. Wow. So I've done a lot of reading over the years, mm-hmm. but there's two that stand out that I would love to share. And that's Please. the two books are two volumes that make up one book called Syntopican volumes one and two Syntopican. Okay. S Y N T O P I C O N by Mortimer Adler produced by Britannica and the great books of the Western world, the great Ideas series. It's the first two volumes other than the index And it is a masterpiece. And I tell people, if you want to master a PhD on life, read those two books. Okay. And um, I don't know of anybody that's got those books that didn't say, wow, thank you. Amazing. Well, John, this was such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate your time and I'm really grateful for it. So thank you for talking to us today. And if people are curious to learn more about you, how can they best find you? All they have to do is go to drdmartini.com, D-R-D-E-M-A-R-T-I-N-I.com, drdmartini.com. And then hopefully they'll go to the value determination process, which is a complimentary private 13 questionnaire process to help them to look at what's really, really, really important and what their life really, truly demonstrates is important. So they're not pursuing unrealistic expectations on themselves. That's a big, great starting point for mastering life. I put it on there and that's private. So you know, no one's going to see it except you, but it's worth doing. But there's also educational material all through the media section of the website. So if there's, if you want to go see 10,000 interviews, that's a good place to go. Mm-hmm.
<laughs> Great, awesome. Well, thank you so, so much again. I was, um, yeah, it really touched my heart to talk to you. So thank you so much and um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. Thanks for the interview. Appreciate uh, what you're doing. Thank you.